Lord's. And so I'm going to be talking about history a little bit today. Oh, I'm not turned on. Let's see. Is this any better? Or is about okay? Good. Um, thank you very much. Um, and so, those of you that don't like history, get out your blankets and your pillows, and you can take a little nap here. But um, I'm hoping that we can make this relevant today because we live. I was reading the paper the other day, and the Archbishop of the Anglican Church in England said that England is now a post-Christian society. So that uh, during World War II, about 5% of the English, I mean, during World War II, about 50% of the British people would go to church. And today it's under 5%. So there's very few people that are going to church. And one of the consequences of that, of lower church attendance, is that you don't hear the stories of the Bible, you don't hear the history of the Bible, you don't learn the traditions. And so we're swimming in a cultural vacuum today. A lot of people have no objection to anything because they don't know anything. So I think it's important for us at this stage in, in our history today, to, to review the history of the Jewish people and the Christian church. Because we're not hearing it. You don't hear it on the radio anymore. You don't hear it in school. And so we've gotten to be kind of ignorant of the history, and which I think is really important. Mrs. White once wrote that, we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget how God has led us in the past. So it's important for us to review, to rehearse how God has led us before uh, so that we can be encouraged. Now, when I read the news, it's mostly bad news. It's all bad news. In fact, when my patients ask me, how long should I brush my teeth? How long, what's the appropriate time to brush my teeth? I said, well, I'll tell you what. You turn on the news um, and start brushing your teeth and keep brushing until you hear some good news. <laughs> and then you'll have brushed long enough. Okay. <laughs> so the news today is pretty bad, and that's discouraging. When you listen to the news, whenever I read the news, I get discouraged because there's so much bad news. In fact, I've decided I can't look at the news after 7 o'clock at night because then I won't sleep the rest of the night. I'll be worried about all the terrible things that are happening in the world. So I have to kind of tune it out. And instead what I'm doing is, is I try in the morning when I wake up to pray, think about how God has blessed me or blessed my family, blessed our church, and, and think about the blessings. And if you rehearse the blessings, it's a source of encouragement. If you read all the bad news, you'll get discouraged. So today what we're going to do is, I'm going to start a lesson. I probably won't finish it today because there's a lot of history in here. But uh, we'll get started on it. Just kind of scratching the surface. And I'm going to be beginning in Second Chronicles chapter 14. And it's talking about King Asa. Did I pronounce that correct? Asa or Asa? Asa. Um, who was one of the kings of Judah. And he's one of the better kings. And it's good for us to study the things that he did so that we can ourselves learn 
to follow in his footsteps in this manner. Now, his father, Abijah, passed away. So it begins in chapter 14 of Chronicles. Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And his son succeeded him as a king. And in his days, the country was at peace for 10 years. Now, whenever you read the Bible, you want to ask yourself, why did this happen? What was going on? What were the undercurrents? And we're going to find out in a few minutes why the country was at peace for such a long period of time. Anybody have any guesses why the country was at peace? God blessed them. Thank you very much. And, and in fact, it says that. King Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut them down. Cut down the Asheroth poles. Now, when it talks about sacred stones, my wife was born a Hindu, and she grew up in, in the jungle in Trinidad, and they had an altar there where they worshipped the Hindu gods. I asked, how many Hindu gods are there? And she said, there's about a million different Hindu gods. Every village in India has their own set, and there's you know uh, probably about 10,000 villages in India, and so they all have about 10 gods or 100 gods. And so there's about a million gods, including Elvis Presley and Winston Churchill are Hindu gods. <laughs> so anybody can be a Hindu god. Um, and in, in fact, not only you don't have to be a person, you can be a thing. And my wife said in, in the backyard of her house, her father found a big rock that was shaped like an egg, like a giant ostrich egg. And he thought that that was obviously divine because normally rocks aren't so perfectly formed. And he put it in his backyard and they would worship this rock and they would pour oil and bring it food. And my wife said that they brought food to it, never ate any of the food, the birds got it all. But they worshiped this stone. And my wife said she prayed to this stone for years and none of her prayers were ever answered. Not one of them was ever answered. And so one day she got so disgusted with the stone, she turned her back on it, and she got down on her knees, and she looked up in heaven, and she said, If there is a real God in heaven, show me that you're there. It was a very simple prayer. But she turned her back on these gods of stone and prayed, If there's a real God, show me. Two weeks later... Some missionaries were going through the jungle with butterfly nets, hunting butterflies, and they stumbled upon this little house in the jungle. House had no running, had uh, no electricity, dirt floors. I mean, it was a real simple place. But these missionaries ended up sitting down and talking to these people. And then my wife—that's how my wife got introduced to the real living God—is through these missionaries. And so. The Lord does answer prayers. Well, anyway, back to Asa. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asheroth poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord. Now, there's a definition of leadership. A leader is to command the people, both by word and by his example, to follow the Lord. We command better with our example than we do with our own words. I mean, if a mother 
can command her daughter to wash the dishes. But she can also command her daughter to wash the dishes by, by washing them herself and saying, won't you help me? And I think that kind of command probably in the long term speaks a little bit louder. So, he commanded the Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. And again, why was it under peace? Because the Lord blessed him. Now, if you look at American foreign policy today, I was reading in the paper the other day that they're saying that we're being outsmarted and outgunned and outfoxed at every turn. And I'm just wondering, is the Lord blessing us today? And if he's not, why not? I'll let you answer that question. I won't go there. But um, at least during the time of Asa, he had peace. He built up the fortified cities of Judah. Now he's able to build up the cities because they weren't busy fighting wars. When you're busy fighting wars, you don't have time or money to build up things. You're always fighting. Um, So he built up the town. He built up a huge army. He had 300,000. I'm reading on here. I'm going to skip a little bit of this. 300,000 men equipped with large shields and spears and another 280 equipped with small spears and bows and arrows. So he had a pretty good-sized army. That's over half a million men. However, it goes on to say, Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots. Now, chariots were like tanks in the old days. If you're a man on foot, even if you have a sword, a big sword, and somebody comes sweeping by on a chariot at 15 miles an hour, and just kind of goes whack with his sword from the chariot. You have the advantage of the velocity of the horse and the chariot, and you can't. You'd get knocked down, cut in half by the man on the chariot. So whoever was in a chariot had a tremendous advantage. So they came out with three hundred chariots, three hundred tanks, and came as far as Mar Serha. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the, in the valley of Zephaha near Maresha. Then Asa, this is important. This is what we should be doing whenever we face problems. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. How did Asa describe himself? Is powerless. Now he has an army of over half a million men and he said he was powerless to do anything to stop these people. He was humble. There is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. How many of us feel powerless against the problems we're facing today? I think we could all raise our hands because the problems we're facing today are overwhelming. They're just impossible. Almost every one of us. I think if I sat down with you, you'd have some real sobering stories to tell. Oh Lord, our God, for we rely on you. Help us. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. 
When you're facing the problems that you do, are you doing it by yourself? Are you going in the name of the Lord? If you're going in the name of the Lord, you have reasonable grounds for expectation that you can expect the Lord's help to help you solve your problems. But, but it's important to remember that when you, whatever problem you solve, you're doing it, you, you want to pick the battles you fight. In the army, there was a saying, if there was a minor battle or a minor problem, that's not a hill worth dying on. And I think sometimes we get involved in problems that we shouldn't be fighting. But we need to be constantly praying, is this something that we should be doing? And if it is, we're going in the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, help us, O oh Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. O oh Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. I myself am trying to buy a house for my wife and I to live in. And we found a house. It's owned by uh, an attorney. And some friends of mine heard that and they go, you're not trying to buy a house from an attorney, are you? Why, he'll just wrap you up around his little finger and chew you up and spit you out. You can't deal with an attorney. You're, you, you're going to have to hire an attorney of your own, don't you? You're... You're crazy to think you can do this. And, uh, but I'm confident that the Lord will guide and lead in this matter. In fact, when we started talking about a contract and, I, and the lawyer was bringing up phrases like notwithstanding clauses and stuff like this, I, I said, I don't sign contracts that contain notwithstanding clauses because they overrule every other clause in the contract. I, I said, I won't sign a contract like that. And then he goes, well, then you write the contract. So now I'm getting to write the contract. And you can believe me, it's going to be a lot more favorable to my position. <laughs> so I feel like that even in dealing with an attorney, the Lord can give you the advantage. Because he didn't know himself that a notwithstanding clause overruled all over cl- other clauses in the, in the contract. He was not aware of that. And so, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord, even when you go up against a mighty enemy, the Lord can strengthen you and give you strength to do this. Okay. So Asa went out to meet him and they took battle positions. And he called upon the name of the Lord and we rely upon you. O oh Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Then what happened? The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of the Cushites fell that they could not recover as a nation. Now that must have been a real massacre that day. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off large amounts of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen upon them. You know, I believe when you're going in the name of the Lord, when you're doing his bidding, the terror of the Lord will fall even upon the attorneys you're dealing with. So... Hopefully, the same will be true for you. And that's why history is important. 
Because it's important for us to see how has God worked with his people in the past because we have reasonable expectation that he will help us in the same way in the future. Now, that's not to say we're not going to have problems in life and that we're going to win every battle. Because as a physician once pointed out to me, the model of healthcare is you get old, you get sick, and then you die. I mean, that's inescapable. And I think there's only two or three people that have escaped that. It was uh, who were, walked with the Lord and then he was not because the Lord took him. Enoch. Okay, Enoch was taken away. I think uh, one of the prophets was carried away in a, in a, in a chariot, Elijah. And Jesus was carried away. But most, most of us, we have a different road to walk. So, you know, eventually in this lifetime, sorrow will come, but we have a better life to look forward to. I think God loves us so much. Why is God taking us to heaven? Because we earned it? No. Why is he, then why is he bringing us to heaven? Because he loves us. He, I, I really think when, when the Lord was walking with Enoch, he enjoyed talking to Enoch. You know, when I meet an intelligent, articulate person, I like spending time with them. Or someone that has a special gift. I enjoy watching them work. Um, my wife is a really incredible cook. And I like watching her cook. I don't watch television. I take a chair, go into the kitchen, and sit down and watch her cook. Because, <laughs> I mean, she is just... She'll have three or four pots going on. And when company comes over, we all go to the kitchen and watch my wife. That's our entertainment. Okay. So, I, you know, I really enjoy... I mean, she has a real, real gift. And um, so I enjoy... I re, and I've told you this story before. We had the ambassador of the Republic of China was watching Mala cook and asked her to cook for 360 guests that she was inviting. So a lot of other people appreciate too. But whenever I'm with someone that has a special gift, I like to spend time with them. And I think that's why the Lord likes to spend time with us. That's another reason we keep the Sabbath. Someone asked today, Lillian asked today, why do we keep the Sabbath? Well, it's so we can spend time with people that we love. I really enjoy coming to church here. It's the only time of the week that I can hear intelligent conversations. <laughs> because most of what I hear during the week, it kind of is, it's like, well, you know, I didn't understand that and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> so um, I really enjoy the work that everybody is doing here. Um, I enjoy all the people here. I really enjoy the historical the historical context that I pick up when I come to church here. And we have a res- our own resident historian here, Maria, who really adds a lot to our Sabbath schools. All of you I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy being with Sean. He's a sound man. I used to be a sound man myself many, many years ago. And so I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits here. So all of you have gifts. I found that most people have at least three gifts three talents. Unfortunately, they don't get developed as much as they should, but we should try to encourage those around us to help them develop the gifts that they have. And uh, 
I think that that if we would do that, we we could expect more blessings and receive more blessings. Anyway, back to Aesop. They plundered all the villages around, and there was much booty. They also attacked the camps of the herdsmen and carried off droves of sheep and goats and camels, and then they returned to Jerusalem. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Odab. He was a prophet. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me. Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, listen to me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Now that's something we all need to remember. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Now some of us tend to forget that. We look at the troubles that we're facing and we think the Lord has abandoned us. In fact, the prophets used to do it. Elijah ran off into the desert. And the Lord said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I'm the only one left in all of Israel, and and they're trying to kill me, and I'm the only one left. And, And the Lord said, You're not the only one left. There's many others besides you. And the Lord tried to... But anyway, when we look at ourselves, um, we forget that the Lord is with us. Now, the other thing, the other reason many of us forget the Lord is with us is we can only see as far as the problems that surround us. Especially at nighttime in the evening, that's when I get the most discouraged. I look at the problems, I think there's no way I'm going to solve any of these problems. But I go to bed and I wake up in the morning and I pray and the Lord will guide me and say, look, here's how you're going to solve this. Here's how to do that. So he helps us through. The other reason that I get discouraged is being surrounded by my own problems is that I don't realize how blessed we all are. I mean, I look at the friends that I grew up with in high school, and I mentioned in Sabbath school today, my best friend in high school, shortly after graduation, went to Cook County Jail. That was his new home. And so, yes, we do have problems. Yes, things are hard. But on a relativistic scale, when I look at how my friends did, I think I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, I got to be a doctor. I mean, when I graduated from high school, uh, someone who knew me said, good luck to you, you're going to need it. <laughs> but in spite of that, I don't know if that was a blessing or a curse. <laughs> I think it was a curse. <laughs> um, I, I became a doctor and, and a dentist, and I think that, you know, I, I really enjoy doing that. I, I feel like I'm a blessing to people. And there, I know that there are those of you in the audience who have done reasonably well. That's not to say you don't have problems, but you have been blessed beyond measure. Um, I look at um, Crystal and Mike. They've been blessed with a wonderful daughter who's going through college now, and she's doing really well. All of you, I think, have been blessed with many blessings. Lillian is a really insightful... She's... I'd have to say one of the, the second best Sabbath school teacher I've ever heard. The best one was the chairman of the Department of Religion at Andrews University. So you're in the same league with him. And so all of you, um, I want to interrupt the sermon to, to 
laud your gifts today, but I think all of you have gifts. But remember that you do have gifts and talents and, and try to develop them and be thankful to the Lord. The Lord, let me go back to what the prophet is reading here. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. He's not playing hide and seek with us. He wants to be found by us. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So this is not, um, I hear the phrase, uh, unconditional love. I think God does love us unconditionally, but he expects us to show gratitude for that love. He expects us, if you really, if he loves us, and we need to, that's one of our most important, important missions in life, is to discover that God loves us. If you can, if you can discover that God loves you, then the doors start to open. Because there are open doors around us, opportunities for service all around us. But if you, when you really discover that God loves you and that he wants you to go forward and help and be a blessing to others, then you're going to start to see miracles happen. I'll just, I'll give you one. I, when I, I have a job at the dental school where I have to give supplies and instruments for mission trips that go out to uh, places like Nairobi, Kenya, in Africa, Madagascar, all around the world, we send mission trips out. And when I started the job, there was almost no equipment and no supplies in the warehouse. In fact, the previous director of the warehouse resigned because he said one of the reasons is there's nothing to give. You know, there's nothing, I can't do anything. Well, I've been doing this for about four years and we're overflowing with instruments and supplies now. And I don't know where they all came from. It's, it's like the Lord has just blessed us abundantly. And it's not my doing. I mean, I didn't put that stuff there. The Lord has... good. It's, he says, good measure, pressed down and running over will be put in your hands. Now, notice that none of this stuff is for me. I don't use any of this equipment. I give it to dental students and doctors, other doctors to use. So usually when the Lord blesses you with gifts, it's because he wants you to give them and share them with others. Okay. Okay, now the prophet goes on reading, for a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. Well, that's what we're doing today. We're trying to teach. But... In their distress, when they abandoned the Lord, they turned back to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. This is a promise. If you turn back to the Lord, he will be found by you. He's not hiding from you. In those days, this is again the prophet reading, in those days it was not safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another. What's going on in the Ukraine today? The Ukraine is being crushed by spontaneous armed men who got their weapons from army surplus stores. You believe that? I don't believe that. (laughs) Okay. 
So this applies today. One nation is being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you... Now, when I read the Bible and it says, as for you, I don't think he's just talking about the people of Judah. He's talking about you, okay, every one of you in the audience. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. Now that's an incredible promise. He said, I will reward your work. That's not to say, I mean, look at King David. He was chased around by King Saul for years. Saul was hunting him with an entire army. Now talk about trouble. David had trouble. Okay? Saul once, when Saul was apparently drunk, tried he picked up a javelin and tried to impale David with this javelin when they were in a small, relatively small room. So it wasn't like David didn't have promise, but he did prevail eventually. And I believe that all of you will, to a great measure, prevail over the problems you're facing. I pray that prayer for all of you. Certainly much more so than you would have without him. Remember that God is where, where we might have been if God had not blessed us. I could easily have been in Cook County Jail today if the Lord hadn't blessed me. But as for you, be strong. And do not give up, for the Lord will be your reward. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah the prophet, he took courage. And that's what I want every one of you to do today. I hope you will. That you will take courage knowing the Lord is with you. King Asa went on to remove the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin. How many of us have idols in our heart? Things that we worship. I mean, I was a bicycle racer when I was in college and I had an expensive bike. It was too expensive and now I have a bike that I paid $150 for, but, and I, I really enjoy it a lot. But I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and he was telling me about his new bicycle. He just spent $4,300 on a bicycle. And it's not like he's a professional racer. He's 55 years old. I'm thinking, what do you need a $4,000 bicycle for? You know, I mean, it's just like, it's like there's so many other better things you can do. Don't you know anybody that needs any help? You know, don't you have any cousins or nieces or nephews or relatives or children that need some help? You know, what are you doing? And, and for him, it's an idol. It's a, got a carbon frame and it weighs, you know, you can, literally, you can pick it up with one finger. It's so light. Your little finger, you can pick it up. But if you drop it or it hits a curb, It'll shatter the carbon and destroy, and the bike's no good anymore. It's extremely fragile. You know, so why, I mean, I, I don't want a bike with a carbon frame because it won't survive the slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune. So we all have different idols, and we need to be thinking about, you know, maybe I need to back off this a little bit. Maybe this is not really important. It may not be... Fourth, and he says, oh, I got it for half price. I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's bicycles now that cost 
eight, nine, I saw one the other day, $11,000. That's an idol, okay. And I think we all have different idols, and we need to kind of back off a little bit. Um, I mean, one of mine is, is saying, oh, no, I can't do that. That's not my job. That's one of my, you know, that one I have to need to learn to give up. But, okay, okay. So he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured from Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. Remember, he's the king of Judah, but he's assembling people from the tribes of Israel. Why? How is that? Well, all these people from the tribes of Israel had moved to Judah. Why? For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. You know? And I think that, that when the Lord your God is with you, people around you can see it. When my wife and I were missionaries in St. Vincent, Mala's mother, who has ten children, sent three of her children to live with us because they were flunking out of school. They were in high school and they were at the bottom of their class. They came over and Mala tutored them every night and in one quarter they were the top of their class. So they went from the bottom of their class to the top in only three months. And so when the Lord is with you, people around you can see that. And the Lord was, is certainly with my wife. And some of it rubs off on me too. So... Uh, so, the people of Israel moved to Judah. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of his reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. Now, they didn't just, when they sacrificed, now, I need some the help of a historian here. When they sacrificed in the temple, when they had these big sacrifices, they didn't just, did they burn all the meat? Or did they, I know that there was passages in the Old Testament where they would take a portion of the sacrifices, burn it on the altar, and then the rest of it was given to the priests and the people. I think that's what they might have been doing. No? It was a burnt sacrifice. It goes all to the Lord. Okay. Let's see. Um, it doesn't say burn sacrifice. It says they sacrificed the Lord. So I'm not sure what kind of sacrifice, but I think that everybody probably ate well after this. But I could be wrong about that. We'll have to look into that a bit more. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their hearts and soul. And that's something that we need to do. It's something I need to do every morning is to enter into a covenant to seek the Lord with all my heart and all my soul. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a couple... I, I think there's, there's a lot of things, actually, that we all need to be covenanting with the Lord over. Okay.
All who would not seek the Lord were put to death. Now that's kind of a little bit harsh, but they were a little bit harsher in those days. Today, I think Christ had a little different slant on that. When the rich young ruler, Christ said to the rich young ruler, follow me, and he didn't. The Lord just let him go his own way. Um, So anyway, they took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath they had just sworn wholeheartedly. They sought the Lord eagerly, and he was found by them. The Bible is full of promises like this. I remember when I first became a Christian, I heard a sermon about the promises of God. And I said, I was thinking to myself, what promises? And so ever since then, I've been trying to read the Bible and find out what promises there are. Do any of you have any favorite promises that you carry around in your heart that you call to mind when things are difficult? Isaiah 41. Okay, but you know this so well, you can quote it to us. I'll say it in Spanish. You pa- you'll translate for us. Spanish? Go ahead. You know, that's really an incredible promise. It says, I will always be with you. I think in another version it says, I will never forsake you. Even unto the end. And and so, you know, that's an incredible promise. And I really believe that that's a true promise. That God says, when he says, I will never forsake you. I mean, there's been so many times in my life, you know, you need to expect the Lord to bless you. I expect the Lord. And so, I, and, and you're going to think, you know, well, maybe the... I was on a phone call with somebody in, in Greece the other day. I, on Skype, you know, you can call for what? You can have somebody call you for five cents a minute or something. So I was talking to this... I was buying some, okay, bicycle parts from a guy in Greece. <laughs> My, your sins will find you out. So anyway... <laughs> so he had these really cheap brake parts that I needed, and so I ordered um, half a dozen brake parts from him. And uh, half, yeah, half price. <laughs> well, there there were like seven dollars or something, and there were thirty five dollars in the local store. But I said, you know, you have really good prices. You 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 must have a really good business. And he goes, No, my business is really good. And I mentioned something about, well, you know, I'm surprised you're not being blessed. And he goes. The Lord never blesses me. He never blesses me. Everything I do turns to ashes. And I kind of felt sorry for the guy. And and he said a few other things that made me not want to ask why the Lord was not blessing him. But there were some things going on in this guy's life that made it hard for the Lord to bless him. You know, And so 
but the Lord is with you if you're if you're trying. I mean, if you're trying, like, look at all the men in the audience. I see a lot of men here in this one row. They're all sitting really close to their wives, and they have their arms around them, and the wife's leaning on the husband. You know, you don't realize what that says about your relationship. That says that you have a really close, trusting relationship. I mean, I've seen some couples where the wife sits here and the husband sits over here and they're trying to stay as far away from each other as possible. But when you have the kind of relationship that you obviously do, you can't hide it, okay? It's obvious. Um, you, you seem to have a really good relationship. At least the surface tensions today are pretty low. When, when a husband takes care of his wife... The Lord blesses the husband because he takes care of his wife. And, and I've received a lot of blessings in the past years that I know I didn't deserve, and I think it was because I was trying to take care of my wife. I think the Lord blessed me because of that. And if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't expect the blessings. I look at most of the friends that I have, the good friends like the Nicholas. And all of you in this church today, who I count as my friends, you were all introduced to me by my wife. Okay? I can't think of very many friends that I have that I wasn't introduced to by her. Because she's a really good judge of character. <laughs> That's one of her gifts. She can, she can tell the good guys from the bad guys. I think everybody's a good guy, you know, but that's not true, obviously. But she's really good at spotting the good guys and the bad guys. And so she introduces me. And if she introduces me to someone and says she likes them, I usually am confident that they're probably a nice person. So when, when you are following the Lord, the Lord will bless you. Now, I know sometimes you're going to forget that and you think the Lord is not. But remember... Two things. That is, I, I remember all my friends in high school who didn't do well and had really hard times because they weren't following the Lord. That kind of sobers me a little bit. And the other is that in your own lives, rehearse, recall, and remember the good things that have happened to you. Like when I'm with my wife, as someone says, what's the best thing that ever happened to you? Well, I have to say, I, I got married. <laughs> and my wife beams. You know, she, she likes to hear that. So remember the blessings that you've received. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm upset with my wife, she didn't do something quite exactly the way that I thought she should have. I have to stop myself and think about all the good things that she's done. I have to turn the volume down a little bit and remember her blessings. And, and, and you need to learn to do that. All of you can come into this church and find out things you don't like about it. Um, there's something, you know, the sermon was boring. I saw three people sleeping in church today. <laughs> but you weren't really sleeping. I know you weren't sleeping. <laughs> you were just concentrating really hard to try not to be distracted no, no, I'm sure that you're laughing. I'm sure that that's true. I mean, when I'm typing on a computer, if I have my eyes open, I make more mistakes. I actually type better with my eyes closed. 
believe it or not. So I know that the, the, the three of you were sleeping. You were just concentrating. And so, in other words, give other people the benefit of the doubt, okay? <laughs> you have to assume that they're trying to do it the right way. Okay, and, and we, we have to do that with our wives and our friends because the Lord does that with us all the time. The Lord gives me the benefit of the doubt. It's like, you know, the Lord says, uh, someone could go to, the devil can go to the Lord and say, Jim is not doing things the right way. And the Lord says, but I'm hopeful that someday he will. And so the Lord gives us the benefit of the doubt, but we have to try to be with the Lord. Okay. Let's go on here. So, they sought the Lord, they rejoiced. King Asa also disposed his grandmother, Maka, from her position as the queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asroth pole. Now that's a pretty sobering thing to do, is to take your mother off of her throne, her, her grandmother off of her throne, because she was following another god. Sometimes in our own families, there are some really difficult choices to make. And even in the church family, there's really, really hard choices to make. And I have to pray. I mean, sometimes I talk to people who I work with every day, and they say some things that are so outrageous, so out of order, the only thing I can say to them is, I'm praying for you. So, anyway, he disposed his queen mother. Asa cut down the pole that she had made, broke it up, and burned it in the fire. Although he did not remove the high, all the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of the Lord silver and gold and articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. 35 years he went with only one interruption of war, and that was to his benefit. I mean, it was a, the enemy was defeated by the Lord. And so it's important for us to study history and to re- and learn it and remember it. All of you are fighting battles that, if left to your own resources, would overwhelm you and destroy you and defeat you completely. Asa was facing an army innumerably larger than his own, as all of you are today. But remember, go to the Lord. You go in the name of the Lord. And he will bless you and prosper you and protect you. May God bless you, one and all. Thank you. And we can continue the history lesson another time. All right, well, thank you very much. God bless you.